0: Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen.
1: Jeez, love sucks. Love broke my heart. I feel terrible. I don't want to ever love again. I feel I feel so much pain in my heart. I don't want to ever feel that again. Know about that. Been there, done that. Curled up on the kitchen floor alone with an immense pain in my heart. Yeah, I know that feeling. Was it really love that hurt so much? Does, Does love hurt? Love has many many faces. But to to think that love is the culprit to pain, I'm not so sure. I think we're in for an excellent conversation tonight. The topic is radical loving. I love that radical loving. One god, one world. One people. And our guest tonight is Rabbi Wayne Dosick. We're going to bring him on in just a minute, but, hmm. Okay, everybody, now raise your hand if if you've had your heart broken in a loving relationship. Yeah, go ahead. Come on. Come on, get your hand up. Only if it's appropriate for how you have felt in the past. I think a lot of uh what do you say wounded people are walking around and uh, man they they they're just hesitant to reapproach the notion of of holding love in their heart maybe even to the point of not even considering a possibility Love, love is a curious thing. I think the more you immerse in it, the, l- the harder it is to language. I think that's why people revert to poetry. Rumi talks about trying to speak about love and ending up speechless or writing about love and the pen breaks and the paper slips away. But I suggest I suggest that that love is ready to kick your ass in a really beautiful glorious wonderful way and I think there's a way to heal your relationship with love to the point where it will it will never hold pain for you again. And tonight, I'm I'm excited to to jump into this episode because um, our guest has so much experience with this topic, and I want to I want to create a an opening uh, uh, to hold the space for radical loving. So let's get to it. Now, to be clear, the topic of tonight's show is the name of Rabbi Dosick's latest book, Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People. In the challenging times we live in today, there's an ominous sense that the world is breaking apart long-held, comfortable beliefs are being shattered, and, and we're facing unprecedented, unprecedented questions and challenges. Radical loving is a compelling appraisal of the state of our present-day world and a bold, visionary, spirit-filled blueprint for its transformation and evolution. Boy, that's spot on. For radical loving and awesome holiness. I want to hear about that part. With a fervent urgency of a biblical prophet, Rabbi Dasik asks, how do we heal the harsh divisions of class, race, religion, and cultures of plague us, how do we vanquish sexism, rigid fundamentalism, unabashed nationalism, senseless hatred, and violent terrorism? How do we save this precious planet from the threats of its very existence to restore civility, decency, grace, and dignity in our lives? I think we should get right to it. Please join me in welcoming our guest, Rabbi William Dosick, to the show. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much. A great pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Wow. Um, radical loving, one God, one world, one people. Um, I like to kind of get some of the, the terms we're using uh defined at the top of the show because for example the term God is as old as probably dirt and there's probably a thousand different definitions of what God is and certainly um... the the belief of God has been the source of a lot of pain and suffering on this planet can you share with us your definition of God?
0: Well it's so interesting that you would uh, begin here Because one of the great problems In our world today The theme song of the world Seems to be My God's better than your God Because we each We each define God in different ways We each have different relationship with God And The Differences between us Have uh, caused Great pain and anguish And so the first message of this book is that there is one God who is the creator and the parent of us all. And that God loves us as without playing favorites. God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't say, I like you better than you, because you're all my precious children. And I hope that you will love me and I hope that you will learn to love each other. So call me by whatever name you wish. Just like in a family, the the male parents may be dad or pops or father, and mother, mommy, mama, uh, same person, different names given by, let's say, different children, and it's the same thing here. One God who is called by many different names, and that God also says, not only don't I care what you call me, I don't care how you approach me. Some some of you will do it with uh, great uh, joy and celebration. Some of you will do it with quiet contemplation. Some of you will do it with silence. Some of you will build uh, gaily decorated paths. Some of you will have very stark paths, but the pathway is, says God, is from me and back to me. And so there is great beauty in your diversity. Oneness does not mean sameness. There is, there is so many different ways to approach me. I, for example, taught um, on the faculty of the University of San Diego which is a private catholic diocesan university i taught the only courses in religious studies in the department of uh, jewish studies in the department of religion and theology one of my closest and dearest friends in the world is a jesuit priest i went to mass with him he came to my sabbath services with me he doesn't want me to be catholic and i don't want him to be jewish we recognize that there are differences between us in our approach to god but there's much more that unites us as children of the one God. So God says, I love you all, I don't play favorites, I am the parent of you all, and please, please learn to love each other.
1: Now, as a kid, I, I remember one of the greatest days of my life. I was, I was raised the last of seven kids, and the day I could beat up my older brother... <laughs> and he could taunt me no more Was a glorious day of redemption <laughs> And and I bring that up because There's some pretty brutal Human on human suffering on this planet And there's certainly been Maybe millions if not billions of prayers Prayed to God How does God play in as our parent And And How come he's not breaking up the fights that we're having amongst ourselves?
0: Well, that's because God gave us free will. We're not, you remember Philosophy 101 in college, uh, the, the, the continual debate between free will and determinism. We are not puppets on a string. God says, look, I created you, I know you, and here I'm going to give you a set of rules to live by which will help you uh, live with each other and enhance and enrich your lives, and if you follow them, your lives will be good. but if you don't follow these rules then uh, then and there will be consequences, and here are some of the consequences that will that will happen. And so it's our choice. We have free will. God gives us all the raw tools, all the raw materials to create a a, a life of goodness and of worth, and of meaning, and of uh, peace and tranquility. And if we choose not to um, not to follow those rules, there are consequences. And the the what's being manifest today in the world is that uh, people are saying, and this is really, really important, so if, if, if I can emphasize this point. When Judaism came along, it said, we got a set of rules from God that are better than the rules for the pagans. And then Christianity came along and said, we have what we call replacement theology. The New Testament, the new rules, are better than the old rules. And then the Koran came along with Islam, and, and, the, and uh, Muslims said, our rules are better because they replace everything that's come before. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We are not, new revelation is not replacement. New revelation is evolving human consciousness. So as human beings evolve and understand more and more of the mysteries of the universe, and uncover more and more uh, of the universe. And as we evolve as human beings, I mean, after all, in the re- original set of rules, there was nothing about uh, rocket ships. We've evolved. Now we need rules about rocket ships. Uh, not that God's giving us rules about rocket ships, but you understand the the, uh, the comparison. And so sure. the problem is that some of these uh, folks say, my way and my, the revelation given to me is the only right way, and therefore I'm going to convince you to follow my way. And if I can't convince you, I will terrorize you. And if I can't terrorize you enough, I will kill you. Well, that's, that's not a way to get along. That's not a way to love each other. And so we need to, we need to learn that, that uh, underlying principle, that we have free will, but we've been given us a blueprint, a set of rules, a standard of behavior to follow. It is our free will to choose that, and when we don't choose that way and we begin to fight with each other or say my way is better than your way, that's when the world is in the kind of trouble and pain and hurt that we are in now.
1: I like that. I've... I've uh, used a phrase regarding the truth and and perhaps God is a personification of the truth and I suggest truth is timeless and I would suggest that the truth existed before language and therefore religion and that to to try to write a uh, a bible or a quran or whatever to define the the totality or the, uh, the uh, perhaps the whole perception of the divine is perhaps um, foolish in the sense of it being absolute it it's more of a i think from the human mind perception we cannot comprehend the totality of the divine.
0: But um, I really like... And so, and so uh, uh, let, let, let me respond but, by saying that with, truth is truth and wisdom is wisdom, and it belongs to the whole world. And so it comes to us in these continuing revelations, and every great teacher, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Mohammed and in our generations, for example, Dr. King and Mother Teresa. These are world masters of wisdom and and truth. And no one nation, no one people, no one religious group has a singular relationship with any of these teachers. They belong to the world, and their wisdom belongs to the world.
1: Nice. I like that. Um now I grew, just for the record, um, in my youth and I quantify it as being in my youth, I was born and raised in a in a Mormon household in a small town in Utah and their language was God's a strong psalm. I mean, he's a the the power of God is uncomprehensible and and God's the 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 big guy and the god God's gonna save our fanny and God's gonna take care of this mess and God's gonna et cetera. And and yet as you've mentioned in this conversation, God sees all of us with uh I guess I would say equal eyes. Now, if I'm if I'm a persona, a human and God is our loving parent. Does God offer any mechanism or modality of support or advantage or power that um, that I can elicit that can help change the world for the better?
0: well the, we have a whole set of rules uh given given to us in the Bible in the New Testament in the Quran in the teachings of the eastern religions in american tribal uh, stories and and these are the revelations that are understood by human beings as the teachings of god who tell us all the kinds of ways that following god's rules and being in deep personal intimate loving relationship with god can move each one of us and thus the whole world with us forward you know, you know the, that kind of 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 uh, God who the childhood image of God sitting in the heavens on a heavenly throne um, with a long white beard and uh, right. acting in a hierarchical authoritarian way that's uh, that's an image of God that was that was created by human beings to try to frighten us to try to keep us in line and behave but my image of god is a great intimate relationship um, i uh, i i like to think of of having uh, being able to talk to god with pillow talk in the great intimacy of a loving loving relationship and so it all depends on on how you want to relate to god and uh how you think that god wants to relate to you And I don't think that God wants to be a male, hierarchical, domineering, authoritarian figure. I think God wants to be in that deep, personal, intimate relationship with me.
1: Nice, nice. Um, So God's rules are how he empowers us? I mean, how um, he says to us,
0: how he, she. By the way, let's take away the the he, because God is the everything of the everything. God is male and female. God is good and and uh, evil. God is right and wrong. God is the everything of the everything. There is, every, and there is nothing in this universe that is not God. Uh, you are of God. I am of God. The orange that I had for breakfast is of God. This desk at which I'm sitting is of God. Because scientists may call it uh, faster and slower moving mo- uh, molecules, but we call it God. And so God gives us this uh, this uh, blueprint and says, here, here, this is the way that you behave well with each other and you learn to live in peace and harmony and tranquility with each other. You know, you said earlier that we've been um, talking about this for centuries and millennia. Somebody came to me once and said, hey, Rabbi, you Jews have a prayer for peace. You recite that prayer for peace, three times a day, every single day, and still there is no peace. What do you have to say about that? And my response was quick. I said, you know, if everybody prayed for peace at exactly the same moment, for that moment at least, we'd have peace. And then the next moment, uh, the next moment we could extend that, and a moment after that. Um, we have, in the Jewish tradition, we're supposed to say 100 blessings a day. And St. Paul said, pray, pray, pray. So I thought to myself, if I say 100 blessings a day, I won't have time to do anything else. And that, of course, is exactly the point. Because if I am in God energy, if I'm in God energy saying a blessing and know that five minutes from now or seven minutes from now, I'm going to say Another blessing. It's very hard for me to fall out of God energy and cheat you in business, or take out a gun and shoot you, um, or threaten you. So, the more we stay in God energy, the more the love vibration comes in this world. In in the prophets, in the prophet, the book of the prophet Isaiah, it says, "Well, the archangels are up there in the heavens, and what do they do? What do they do?" So, of course, this is all metaphoric, but it says they stand on the, the seraphim, the seraphim stand on either side of the heavenly throne, and they shout across the heavens, kadosh, 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 holy, 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 in Latin, sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. And that creates the love vibration. That love vibration comes to earth. It is what builds us. It's the building block of our existence, the love vibration. And we, in turn, live the love vibration and send it back to the heavens. And so it is a total spiral of love between God and us all the time.
1: Beautiful. So very well said. Now, Thank in you. your introduction, you you provided the phrase awesome holiness. Can you give us the uh, your understanding of what holiness is, and how would somebody personify
0: that? Well, it it, it is the twin to radical loving. So in radical loving, uh, we make the life of another as precious to us as our own. I want to repeat that because it's so important. You love radically when you make the life of another as precious to you as your own. And so awesome holiness means that we uh, are to be like God in every thought and every word and every deed, and we are to meet the needs of the community to make the ordinary extraordinary. So meeting the needs of the community, what does that mean? It means that uh, there are people who need us, who want us, who need our help and our compassion and and our love. The... The way I see it is that we are created in the image of God, every human being. Now, we take that metaphorically, of course. It's not physical. But if we see it in a metaphoric, physical way, it means if I'm created in the image of God, when I look in the mirror, there is the face of God reflected by my own face. And so if I look at you less, then I see the face of God in you. And hopefully you look at me and see the face of God in me. The only, only possible response to seeing the face of God is love. The only response to fear or anger or hatred is seeing the face of God, love. And so we know that each every and every human being reflects the face of God. So we act in awesome holy ways when we if we're standing in line at the bank and the teller is taking forever and can't make uh, the, the deposit in the correct way we could get angry and frustrated or we could see the face of God when we're in a convenience store and the teenage clerk can't make change for a dollar bill without using a calculator we could uh, decry the state of American education or we could see the face of God and so when we see people who are in, in at a moment not a category of people the needy or the poor but people who are in need at a, a moment and we reach out our hands and our hearts that's what it is to be awesomely holy to uh, the God in me sees the God in you. Nice,
1: well spoken. Now the the, the uh, perhaps the knee-jerk reaction is to judge people, and sometimes when the person we're looking at is the initi- the initiator of of pain and suffering to another person, how do you how do you I guess like get out of your head or whatever? How do you? Um, break the cycle of judgment so you can look with virgin eyes to see the the innocent truth or I'm not quite sure how to language it how do, you, how do we get over, out of our own way when we react in a way that stops love
0: yeah you know it's not easy it's not easy and it's a gradual process and the more we're aware of it the more we can be aware of it uh... And continually stay aware of it when my kids were little uh, we tried to institute in modern times the teachings of an ancient sage it said of him that when he w- went to the market he would buy if he needed a piece of meat he would buy two one for himself and one for the hungry in his neighborhood if he needed a bunch of vegetables he'd buy two one for himself and one for the hungry in his neighborhood so when the kids were little we, did, we said the following. Every time we go to the market, we will buy one extra item of non-perishable food. A box of cereal, a box of, a box of mac and cheese, a um, jar of peanut butter, a can of tuna fish. And instead of putting, taking it into the house, we wouldn't even take it in the house, leave it in a brown paper sack in the trunk of the car. And when we had collected two or three sacks, we would take it to the local food pantry. Well, one day I'm in the store with my son who was My younger son, who is now um, close to late 40s, but he was five years old at the time, and we are in the cereal aisle, so I took a box of cereal off the shelf, and I held it up to him, and I said, Honey, how about this uh, cereal, this box of cereal for our food gift this week? And in his precociousness, he said to me, No. And he grabbed (laughs) the cereal out of my hand and put it back on the shelf and stood on his little tiptoes. And took a different box of cereal from the from the shelf, and held it up to me and said, "This will be our food gift this week." And I said, "Okay, sure, but tell me why? What's the difference?" And he said, "Look, Dad, there are hungry kids out there too, and kids like sugar frosted flakes better than we like Cheerios." (laughs) In 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 an instant, in an instant, that innocent young child taught me. Not to see a category of people, but individual people, kids who are hungry too and like one cereal more than another. So, you know, we always uh, put together Thanksgiving baskets. Uh, We put a turkey and we put uh, uh, yams and sweet potatoes and stuffing and cranberries. Well, next time you do that, think about not a category of people whom you're helping to feed, but a, a family who wants to celebrate and deserves to celebrate just as much as you do. So put in a bottle of uh, sparkling apple cider. Put in uh, a bag of of, uh, colorful jelly beans. Put in a a, uh, beautifully decorated cake or cupcakes because it makes the celebration so much better for those people. They don't feel good about needing to, to ask for help, but if they do need help, then let's give them help that celebrates their humanity and not puts them into a corner of a definition.
1: Wow, very nice. Well, now, um, there's teachings that are um, rules or examples for us to live by that will help us live in more harmony with ourselves. And it seems like every religion has a one or more um, lords or saviors or deities that are the personification of uh, what it means to live in harmony with the divine and yet here on this planet we've got 7 billion flavors of individual preferences if as as we um, go through our practices and our, our religious etiquette day in and day out what's what's the, I guess what I'm getting at is are, are we gonna are we gonna lose our individuality as we uh, hone ourselves to the place of love or will we actually blossom more with uh, a more rich, and a diverse expression of ourselves. Hmm. If that
0: makes sense. You know, I wrote Radical Loving as an aspirational book, saying we can do better than we are doing now. We we need to uh, get rid of the racism and the sexism and, the, and misogyny and white nationalism and um anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, uh, because they break us apart instead of bringing us together. And we need to strive for the common good. It was an aspirational book. And then, even before it came out, we were smacked with the reality of COVID. And all of a sudden, that that which was perhaps theoretical became very, very practical. So, for example, someone said, you have to reopen America because my pizza parlor or my beauty shop or my nail salon is the only way I can feed my family and I have to have the dignity of my children being able to eat. That's one way to to look at it. The other way to look at it was, you must reopen America immediately, because I have to have the right to go to the bar and dancing or to the beach when I feel like it. Two different ways. One is the the declaration of individual rights and individual freedoms, and the other is striving for the common good. Twas ever thus. This has been the debate in America since its founding, states' rights versus na- federalism, uh, individual rights versus individual f- uh, freedom, uh, individual rights and freedoms versus the common good of the community. So what happens? Um, we, we get a cure or at least a uh, mitigation of the, vac- of the COVID through vaccines, And some people say, you can't make me take a vaccine, and you can't make me. It's all a conspiracy. It's all, and all of a sudden we have uh, a broken society because we have people who become, uh, walk into a place without a mask and without a vaccine, and it's like throwing a bomb into a room um, uh, of innocent people who've already had their vaccines and who are wearing their masks. you know, the Supreme Court long ago uh, ruled that you have individual rights except your rights end where my nose begins. You can stick out your fist as long as you want, as long as you don't punch me in the face. You don't have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. And you know what? The people who, who are uh, arguing against the vaccines, they still stop at red lights because they want to protect themselves and the people around them. So this is this is the big debate. The big debate is where do my rights uh live and where does the good of the common the common good of the of the community the greater good the highest good. And this book obviously you must understand advocates the highest good the good of the community. Um we used to be a front porch community America was when um I was growing up in Chicago. Uh, we knew all our neighbors. And when I mean a, French port, a front porch community, um, in in uh, the 50s, particularly 1959, the year the White Shots won the pennant, we, uh, we all had our little transistor radios. You remember those? And literally we sat on our front porches and listen to the White Sox games, and if something good happened, you could hear the cheer going up and down the block. And my mother was a stay-at-home mother, but every once in a while she'd go out to a meeting or go to the library or have lunch with her friends or go to the PTA or the sisterhood. But I couldn't get away with anything because as soon as she got home, Um, Even before she had her coat off A friendly neighbor was on the telephone Roberta, do you know what Wayne did While you were away? It was a front porch community And then, this really Breaks my heart to to, to tell you this But I think That it all began to fall apart With free agency in baseball I love baseball but, But And I love labor unions America was built on the backs of labor unions But it used to be that the players were deeply loyal to the team and to the city. We knew all the players. We knew their numbers. We knew their batting averages. And they all lived in the community because they weren't being paid so much. So during the winter, uh, some of them worked at a car dealership or sold insurance. And they all came to the father-son-daughter dinners at the Boy Scouts and the Cub Scouts and the churches and the synagogues. And they gave us autographs. We could shake their hands. Uh, one of the guys, in, uh, his grandma lived in my neighborhood, and she came anytime he came to visit grandma. He'd come out, and every once in a while, well, he'd play catch with us on the playground or hit us grounders. And then free agency came along, and it was no longer the good of the team or the good of the city but me, 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 I want to get my statistics as high as possible so that I can sell myself to the highest bidder when when I become a free agent. So our children began to see the me, me, me uh, society. And conversely, we saw the not-me society. Their athletic heroes could say, uh, my bloody shoe prints might be all over the murder scene, but I didn't kill my wife, not me, not me. And so we have this tremendous dichotomy, and that's part of what we're left with right now. And part of what this book advocates is coming back to that front porch community. Uh, America was supposed to be a melting pot. It was supposed to be a, um, a beautiful uh, weaving together of ethnicities and backgrounds and countries and. It feels to me as if America is, these days, a patchwork quilt of special interests. Special interests are important, but they have to give way to the highest interest, to the highest good of society. A
1: patchwork quilt. You know, the 2020 really kind of isolated so many of us, stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. And our, our social demeanor, if you will, was pretty much squelched. And during this very same time, there was a lot of um, divisiveness in the media with um, um, groups declaring um, their importance and, and kind of a division, us and them and, and Perhaps even in the political arena with the uh, elections, there's been a real fragmentation of that front porch mentality, that community mentality, and I'm 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 totally with you about uh, um, restoring the idea of community. But I'd like to get your take on with the current dynamic, the way it is, and. Um, How do you see uh, new mechanisms, new ways that we can have a sense of community even um, within the context of how our lives look like today with the various restrictions and um, isolations that it presents?
0: Well, I would answer in two different directions. The first direction is words, words carry great great power words have the power to uplift and elevate the human spirit and words have the power to crush the human spirit and for a number number of years in this country the rhetoric was divisive and hateful and told us literally that there were good people on both sides of evil I referred to Charlottesville and that's just not true. And, and people thought that they were given tacit permission to be anti-Muslim, to be anti-Semitic, to be selfish for their own needs. And so, fortunately, the rhetoric has changed in the last little bit of time. It's, uh, there's still a lot to heal, there's a lot of civility to return to, but we're on the way. The second thing is, you know, somebody once said to me in the midst of all this COVID, how could God do this to us? So, I guess, what do you mean? Well, you know, God's so powerful, if he, she didn't want the, us to be dying of COVID, he'd get rid of it. I said, well, you know, there are certain things that that are in god 's hands, and there are certain things that are in our hands uh, the The virus came from either a leak in a laboratory or an unclean marketplace, and that's human responsibility and and at the same time, we could say, "Look at what God gave us. Do you know that the when we think about it, inter, the internet and the smartphone and email and computers. They're what, 30, 40, 50 years old? They're brand new. So God says, you could look at it and say, God says, listen, when I knew you were going to have to be isolated through your own foolishness, uh, I gave you all these devices so that you could communicate with each other. And I gave you Instacart and uh, Grubhub and um, uh, DoorDash so that you could have food delivered to you. And I gave you Amazon so that you could get everything else Uh, We never think about those things, uh, but there is a grand plan. And isn't it amazing that all these communication devices came just decades before we desperately needed them. Otherwise, we would have been incredibly lonely. Nice.
1: Nice point. I like that. Thank you. Well, now... um, so if if there's a a Kool Aid belief, a set of rules, a way of living that can make us more radically loving, and we were all to partake of that, in what I'm getting at here is, with these teachings, if we were to look for those teachings as examples of behavior, as examples of living as examples of loving, how, how would our culture change? I mean, what differences would we notice if, if that actually happened? What would be different about our, our culture, our society?
0: You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go simply to the, the, the Bible because it's a simple way to begin. And that is, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't mean you have to love your neighbor exactly the way you are. So I always give this example that that if I were feeling sad or depressed and you're my friend and you want to love me as you love yourself, um, you might get me uh, tickets to a baseball game and say, "Hey, we're going to go to a ball game." Well, it might be that that I want to go to a symphony instead of a baseball game. It, it, it the, the the detail doesn't matter, but the underlying principle does. Uh, the other way is what I call F-A-N-A-M-I, well, before that, simple rules of behavior. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Keep, keep trust and faith. Don't steal. Don't um, lie about your neighbor. Don't even think about it. You know, those are, those are ancient teachings that are as irrelevant as, as tomorrow. All we have to do is incorporate those teachings in our lives. Uh, Don't slander. Don't gossip. Don't breach trust. Don't, um, don't, uh, all the don'ts and all the do's of how we uh, we behave with each other. And then on the simplest way, I have this little program which I call F-A-N-A-M-I. Find a need and meet it. So, back in 1996, a long time ago, but seems like just yesterday, uh, our house burned down in a Southern California wildfire. So we lost everything. We lost our place to live, and we lost every possession that we had. So, a day or two afterwards, one of the kindest, sweetest, gentlest, and wealthiest men I knew came to me and said, Rabbi, what's mine is yours. Ask me for anything. So I said to myself, what am I, it's so sweet, but what am I going to ask him for? Take us out to dinner, buy me a suit, build me a house? What was I going to say? And, you know, people do that all the time, times of tragedy, uh, illness, death. Call me. Just call me anything you want. I'm here for you. But the truth is nobody ever calls. So F A M A M I. find and meet and, and meet it. If there is, for God forbid, a tragedy, someone dies, they say to the mourner, I understand your Uncle Charlie is coming in for the funeral. Give me his plane information. I'll go to the airport and pick him up. You don't have to worry about it. Or your good suit maybe is still at the cleaners. Give me the ticket. I'll go pick it up for you. Or don't worry about the kids tonight. I'll take them out for pizza and a movie. Find a need and meet it. And meet it with great love and great respect and, and great holiness. And those little gestures move the world closer and closer to decency and dignity and and the uh, grace and civility.
1: Well, well very nice. Now, you shared with us, I'm I'm going to ask you more of a personal question. You shared with us um, that you've written, I believe, 10 books, and you've been immersed in this material for a, quite a considerable amount of time. And from my own perspective, I know love is this just deep, rich arena. How has your relationship with love changed over the years as you write books about it, you contemplate it, you embody it? How has that changed you? Well...
0: truthfully i don't think I don't think it has I've had a concept of love that says "Love God, love your fellow human beings, love yourself and um I try to keep that at the core of my being
1: well very nice well now, let's turn the the, the focus on your platform so um let's Tell us where that we can get your book. Tell us about other books. And if you have uh, a platform of service or whatever that you want to share, please include that and share that with our audience, if you would.
0: Well, thank you. That's very, very kind. I uh, can find out more. Well, The book, you can order anywhere, uh, booksellers, uh, particularly Amazon. Um, with all due humility, uh, this book came out as number one release in Jewish theology when it was first published. It's not just about Jewish theology, but that's the category Amazon put it in, and it uh, debuted as the number one seller. And again, with all humility, uh, this book has won three awards at the International Book Awards. It was named a finalist in the category of social change. It was the first place winner in general religion, and the first place winner in Inspirational Spirituality. International Book Awards uh, came out just uh, at the end of June. So I'm pretty proud of those things. You can find out more about the book at the website RadicalLovingBook.com. Pretty easy, RadicalLovingBook.com. And there you can find out more about the book and more about me. And we've also produced an album of music, 21 Chants, all in English, because you know, chanting um, moves us to that unconscious place in our psyches where we feel the holy love connection to all that is, and it creates a channel for us between us and God. And from the unconscious, it bubbles up into the conscience, and so um, into the consciousness and to the conscience. And so um, you can you can uh, listen to three or four of the chants, as we used to say on the old South Side of Chicago, free for nothing. And if you wish, you can uh, purchase a download or a real hard copy CD. We still have some of those. So, uh, and lyrics come along with it all. So there you can find out more about it. And there, uh, most of my other books are listed there, too. They are also all on Amazon. So if you go to my page on Amazon, Dosick D-O-S-I-C-K, that's me, um, or Rabbi Wayne Dossick, uh, you'll see the books there. There's one book called The Business Bible, Ten New Commandments, we are bringing spirituality and ethical values into the marketplace. There's one called Golden Rules. It was a major book, uh, ten, ten Commandments uh, uh, that, people, that uh, Parents Need to Teach Their Children, Ten Ethical Values that Parents Need to Teach Their Children. We also wrote a book of my wife and I together about the indigo children. Uh, there was a book in the aftermath of the fire called When Life Hurts, and a number of uh, Jewish books, including what is now a classic. It's called Living Judaism, The Complete Guide to Jewish Belief Tradition and Practice. And it is a basic one oh one textbook. If you want to know uh, about Judaism, it is this is the book. It's been used for the last twenty five years in synagogues, churches, seminaries, colleges, universities, um one oh one classes and uh, so that's out there too in a number of other Jewish books, including Dancing with God and um And a book called 20-Minute Kabbalah, which is a daily personal spiritual practice, all done in 20 minutes. And the book before this is revolutionary theology. It's called The Real Name of God, Embracing the Full Essence of the Divine. And so there we talk about who God really is and how we can be in relationship with God.
1: Beautiful. Very well said. Thank you. Well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I very much have enjoyed this conversation.
0: And I very much enjoyed uh, the the conversation with you and the fine questions that you ask. And if we have one more second, I'd like to sure. ask keep, ask people to remember the name Darnella Frazier. I know it's a hard name. Uh, we don't know it very much, but boy. This is a 17-year-old kid who had the the courage and the the patience and the fortitude to stand there for almost 10 minutes, taking the video of the officer killing George Floyd, and it was her video and her testimony that made him a convicted murderer rather than a, than a uh, somebody getting away with um, with uh, murder. And it takes courage to be the one person who stands out from the crowd and says, this is the right thing to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. You know, there's a great story about the cafeteria line where there's a new pl- a plate of, of beautiful new baked chocolate chip cookies, and the sign says, "Take, please take only one chocolate chip cookie. And uh, a number of people took two and three. And there's another sign that says, please take only one chocolate chip cookie. God is watching. And then you move down the cafeteria line, and there's a bowl full of beautiful apples. And it says, take as many uh, apples as you want. God is watching the chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) So the question is, if if there were a constantly running video camera or videotape recording your actions and your words today, and that videotape would be tomorrow night, 6 o'clock news, and you had to call your parents or your children or your grandchildren and say, watch me, I'm on the news, would you be happy and proud or would you be ashamed and embarrassed? That is a measure of how well we live, how well we embody radical loving and awesome holiness.
1: Well, thank you very much for contributing to the show tonight. I've very much enjoyed this conversation.
0: Thank you so much. Take good care.
1: We've been talking with Rabbi Wayne Dossick and the topic tonight has been Radical Loving, One God, One World, One People, which is the name of his latest book. Boy, howdy. Love, 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 love. Um, You know, for myself, um, I've shared many times on the show how the cosmic 2x4 cracked me open 25 years ago. And uh, that started me on a journey that I didn't see coming. I didn't, I had no clue my life was about to change. And... 25 years I've been scrubbing my psyche and I'm I'm continually continually impressed with with how love can show me a new face a new way, a new modality within itself it's like this (laughs) it's like this Magic material, so to speak, that morphs into whatever it needs to be in the moment um, love is love has just kicked my ass i mean and and I say that in a very, very good way. The more I heal my relationship with love the 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 richer the fuller the broader the the view the vision the idea of what my life might be becomes in other words the more i learn how to embody love the more my future changes in exciting and um i guess i'd say dynamic ways because today today i look at my future and it's different than it was six months ago, or a year ago, or a year and a half ago, or blah, blah, blah. And that's because I'm showing up in a, yeah, I, I guess I'd say a deeper appreciation for love. It's kind of like you're playing a game of poker and unconditional love's on the other side of the table. and your ego's a little spooked, and it's like, yeah, I don't know about this, and uh, so your ego slides out of a stack of chips and says, what's love got to do with that, and and love smiles and and shows a reflection of what might be, and it kind of surprises you, and it's like, wait a minute, I wasn't quite expecting that. I thought it'd be kind of an equal exchange, and So you take another moment and you're like, well, let's let's try some more chips. And you push out even a bigger stack of chips, uh, symbolically representing your ability to embody love more. And love smiles, (laughs) as it does, and it pushes back an even grander return from what you provided. Back and forth a few times, and after a while, it's like, "Damn, if every single time I give love an opportunity, my life expands. you stand up and you just lift the table up, and all the chips surrender to love and when When the return comes from that, I think that's where. Rumi's talking about when the pen breaks and the paper slips away, when language falls woefully short of your experience and your best shot at it is poetry. I suggest look with virgin eyes today and every day Because love is hiding everywhere, and love will kick your ass in such a beautiful, beautiful way. I love to bring episodes like this to you, for you, that you may have a more fuller, richer experience of who you are. I created NewHumanLiving.com as a platform to share with you the various ways I kept love at bay within my own life With emotional dogma, mental dogma, and spiritual ignorance um, if, if you'd like a, a weekly dose of new perspective Sign up for the newsletter and look at the material there Life's an exciting and wonderful thing when you can show up for it Time is up, and here we are. I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up for yourself. You joined us tonight, giving yourself an opportunity to expand who you are, and I thank you for that. Until next time, I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.